Blessings. This is Pastor Walter and Maribel Arias welcoming you to the podcast of God of Covenants Christian Center. We hope this time is a blessing for you. Make sure you subscribe to get new messages every week. Enjoy the message and embrace what the Lord has for you. This week's message, titled The Time of Return, by Pastor Walter Arias. Let's listen to the message and may God bless you. Allow me to pray for a moment to good God, we give you thanks in this morning that we have been able to come here, good part of your people, Lord, and the rest that are connected in this moment in the spirit through a signal through the internet that we're in unity. And, and I ask that this word be effective, that it bring teaching, that it be a word that instructs, a word that ministers, a word that confronts that shows us what to follow. Thank you, God. And I ask you for this people, for the present and those that are in their places so that they can be good listeners. And I ask for myself that you give me the boldness by your spirit to speak as it suits in the name of Jesus. And the church of the Lord says, amen, amen. I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you about a story and to paraphrase a little bit and you're going to be interested in reading the book of Ezra and Nehemiah in this week. But I'm going to tell you of a story that many of us have heard, perhaps just on the surface. And I'm going to bring to remembrance so that way I can encase the preaching and you could receive it as such. And you could apply it to your life. And I'm going to speak a little bit about the 12 tribes of Israel. The 12 tribes of Israel had this opportunity to arrive to a land that was promised, the land of Canaan. And as such, the tribes of Israel arrived under the leadership of Joshua. They passed the Jordan River and they established themselves. And as such, they took different parts of Canaan. And there's a part of the story of Israel that they had. When I say the tribes, better yet I say the tribes, is because they found themselves in a situation that in the promised land, they had a great division. And they know that it's known as the division of the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. <clears throat> Roboam, which was the son of Solomon, and he was at the south was Judah and Benjamin, and the capital would be Jerusalem. And then ten tribes and the tribe of Ephraim, and these tribes of the north took the city and the place for them uh, Samaria as the capital so here we see a story that is sad in what is the people of Israel that people that entered those tribes that entered to take possession of Canaan now they find themselves in a division within themselves the story then says the northern tribes those ten tribes they had a leadership of 19 people as such and all the time those 19 people all those leaders that they had that governed, none did anything good before God. So there they converted into idolatrous people. They violated parts of the law, violated the whole law. They did things against God. And the tribes of the south, the two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, they had 19 kings and one queen. And story says that these tribes as such 
they governed those lands for many times, but there was a time when some the Assyrian Empire came and they invaded Samaria and they took captive the people of the ten tribes of the north and kingdom, those ten tribes, the tribes of Israel. And then later, 135 years later, when another kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar, conquers and takes possession where the two tribes of the south were. So, the city of Jerusalem <clears throat> and the service to God, their civilization is totally broken and they're taken into exile and that's the exile when a person has to go or they take them to a different place. So those 12 tribes, one under a Syrian exile and others by the Babylonian exile, they're taken the northern to Mesopotamia and the southern tribes to Babylonia. In that captivity, they lose a little bit of their identity. They lose a little bit of the north of where they're going as a nation or as a people. And of course, they lost their temple where they would go to worship, where they had all their celebrations during the year. And with this, there was a lot of anguish in the heart. There was sadness. There was pain because when these people came, they didn't come asking for permission to conquer that people, if you could say that. They came to ravage and kill the people and taking the young people and the old captives. So all these generations, for 70 years, for 70 years, the, the tribe of the south was under the Babylonian Empire. Then, in the grace of God, God touches a man named Cyrus the Great of Persia and he takes him he, God chooses him it wasn't he wasn't a Jewish man he was a Sir, uh, uh, Syrian man and he takes him and he puts in his mind to go to Babylonia to conquer Babylonia and when he conquers Babylonia he gives an edict for all the people that for 70 years had been there the generation that was born in Babylonia that had been exiled, that had been taken out from Jerusalem, he gave an edict that they would return home. So God used an impious person, a person who was not of the lineage, who was not of the tribes of Israel, and he used them so that his people would return, and he gave an edict so that they would get together in Jerusalem and reconstruct the temple and worship God. And he even put of his own money so that the temple of God could be reconstructed. And why do I say all of this to you? Because there, while Minister Roberts spoke of God, that he lifts a new generation, the God that lifts a man or a person or a woman and, and gives him a new edict, and that's what God does with this Cyrus the king. He allows to be used as an instrument to be a blessing to a people, and we as a church, in one way or another, and you as a person individually, wherever you may be, all of us in one way or another, we entered into a type of exile in this time. In one way or another, all that we had that was normal, all that was normal for us changed with this pandemic. It changed with the part that we have to stay home. 
like a type of captivity so you could understand me. Our lifestyle was transformed and continues being transformed and will continue changing for a time. It'll be different from what we once knew. And all of this then brings a lot of anguish. I think that we have cried. I think you have cried in your homes. You've cried where you habitate. Many have had the loss of their jobs. Their businesses have gone away. Their projects are like disappearing. The things that they were doing have changed totally. And with this, a lot of oppression came. With this situation of the pandemic, the pandemic, and those of us that are quarantined in our places, there was a lot of affliction in families as well. There was people that whereas a lot of situations or that they, Christ wasn't the king of all. There was a lot of conflicts in the households. All this time, we have been in a type of captivity. We have been in a type of exile. And God, in a way, allows us to return. He has used a president. He's used someone, and we'll get into this a little bit, but a little directives that we could return to congregate, that we could return to work, that we could go opening up the spaces that we had to close once before, and now starts to take a course again. And I want to speak about this for your life, for your business, where perhaps you're going to have to return to retake your projects because everything starts to be redirected there. And I want to speak of the topic that has as a title, The Time of Return. Because you are here because you have the time of returning. So you have made this topic yours because in one way or another, we're returning to our land. We're returning to our place of worship. And I understand like the Hebrews and like all of those tribes that where they went in exile, many continued looking God independently of where they were. They continued seeking God. The same with us. Independently that we left out of this physical place and where we were, we were still seeking God. We still continued connected with the Lord, and that's what I hope. But the return, the time of the return has been marked that now we could return. And I want to speak of two things there. The first thing is the edicts and the forms for the return. So I'm going to take you to this story in the book of Ezra. So you have a foundation that's biblical of where this story comes, as I paraphrase in part. And where you can study. So Ezra chapter 1 verses 1 through 6. And the word of God says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put in writing saying, Look at what the king that was awakened by God started to say thus says Cyrus king of Persia verse 2 all the kingdoms of the earth the Lord God of heaven has given me and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem which is in Judah who is among you of all his people may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem so they were in another place so go up to Jerusalem which is in Judah and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. Verse 4, and whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let them, men of his place, help him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, 
besides the freewill offerings for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. Then the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites with all whose spirits God had what has moved arose to go up and build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem and all those who were around them encouraged them with articles of silver and gold with goods and livestock and with precious things besides all that was willingly offered King Cyrus the great one of Persia is touched on behalf of God to be an instrument so that the people of God can return to their land Jerusalem and they come out of that captivity of that isolation in which they lived in sadness because of something that these people had is that they wanted to return to Jerusalem they wanted to return to Judah to their region they wanted to go back to their land but of course 70 years is a long time many of them had died Others were born in that captivity. Those that were born in captivity, they were already 70 years old. In the first year when they went to Mesopotamia or Babylonia or those regions. So we're talking about people that are already adults. But what I'm going here is that King Cyrus creates an edict. And of that edict, I want to speak. So he was not a Jew, Cyrus. He was not of the people of God, but he was an instrument of God. And he was an instrument when it says in verse 1, Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. He stirred up. So Cyrus was used by God. He put a thought in him, and then Cyrus acted in a way because God put a thought in his head. And this is very important to understand. He puts thoughts. God puts things. Even you don't imagine it. God puts certain things for his glory. And in this case, for this king of Persia, Cyrus. And he made a proclamation from word and also in writing. So he as king of Persia, he wrote an edict that he says that now what has to do? All that are the Hebrews that are here, all the Jews all the tribes of Judah and Benjamin that are in this section, all we give them the right, go from this land and go and return to your house. Return to your place. And eat it. And then I was thinking about this a lot because in a way, we as a society, we are governed by laws and we have to fulfill the laws because the kings or the princes or the rulers are put on behalf of God. So then I thought on this because For us to return to be here congregating again, we had to follow an edict, an edict of a king, an earthly king, the edict of a president, the edict of a governor, the edict of a mayor. So we're not here in rebellion. We're here because there's an edict that we can return, that the king, to say it, and the other kings in this land, they have given an edict that society can return to take their position. And how much more as we as a church, we could understand this, that the king or the president or the governor of this state where we are tells us you can return and it's written, you could reopen the places of worship. Yes, so this is an edict and how good this edict that gives a green light to return. Can you imagine how sad if they would say, 
everything, the bars and the taverns can be open and have to 100 capacity, 100% capacity, but the church cannot open? Would that be very strange if they said that? In fact, the king of this country, the president of this country, if something I saw in this whole time is that he was defending the right that the people of God can return to their places. And with this, I'm not saying that you think or feel bad or there in your house where you are, because I'm saying something good about the president that we have. This president is something that he's done, that he was with the directors that he had, so that the houses of worships can be opened. So you might say that he's a bad person. Okay, say whatever you want to say. But the only thing I know is that God lifted up a king from Persia who wasn't Jewish and he lifted him up to put an edict so that the people could return to Jerusalem. The same thing that the president of this country was used by God for what? So that prayer could be retaken and the houses of worship can be opened so that the word can be spoken. Are you understanding me? Yes? You have to understand that. We can't be blind before this. So then I'm going to speak about the other thing, about those who can. We spoke of the edict. Now let's speak about those who can. And there in verse 3, and it's very interesting, this word to me, because it's the story, the story, the Hebrew people, it's the same story of us, though our afflictions were less than theirs, of course. But look, and this point that I want to touch on, of those who can, in verse 3 it says, Who is among you of all his people? May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem. Understand, Cyrus is speaking of all where he had taken the kingdom. Nebuchadnezzar had died. There was other kings. And so when Cyrus enters into Babylonia, he conquers Babylonia. So to all the people that he saw that were Jews, he says, now I say to you, if you're of the house of God, then go up to Jerusalem. So those that can, he said, go to Jerusalem, where he's in Judah, and edify the Build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. And those that can. So when King Cyrus gives that edict, he's speaking with a people, or he's saying to a people that he understands, okay, if this happened 70 years ago, and these people are here, that this is not their land, their land is in another place, their heart is pulling them there, where they feel best is there in Jerusalem, so then those that are here now go up to Jerusalem. He gives an edict for them to go up to Jerusalem. He's saying those who can go. And this is so special because I meditated on the church. How to reopen this place of worship and of prayer and of spiritual growth for the church of the Lord. How are we supposed to open it? So let us open it with, with those who can. Are you understanding? For an example, those that are here... You could, you, you go to the supermarket, I go to work, I go out all the time, I get visit, so you know why you can, because there's nothing different, that I congregate, and I can do it, so it's a criteria of why, and the others that are going to come, so those who can, the king said, those who can go to the place, then return, and the Lord is allowing us that those who can arrive here, that we return, and we don't want to be foolish that there's people that want to return, that can return, and then say to them, don't return. That would be illogical on behalf of a leader. This is a word that is good for us as a congregation. 
And though I hope that all that are connected in all these three months, you can go learning as well, even more. So those who can, that they can return. This means that you return the programs of evangelization. Because with this pandemic, we diminished a lot of programs. There was a lot of programs that stopped. The ministerial school, a lot of uh, meetings that we used to do, ministerial of growth, of uh, evaluation, programs as such. We had a huge agenda. So we should return those who can and retake certain things and return to the study. So go and reconstruct the house of God. So in a way, we're returning to construct something that had fallen. Even though there was some priests, some Levites were here every Sunday sharing the word from here, alone, the, the temple empty in a way, those of us that are here that there was an altar had somehow been brought down. So I was speaking with a brother when he came and I was able to talk and, and tears were coming of joy of being here. When he says, when I preach, saw you preaching there alone, that hurt me. And I felt the pain. A sister also, she couldn't hold herself just crying for being able to be here because those who can, we're going to return. Are you with me? Those who can, we're going to return. Amen. Blessed be the Lord. So then in this topic of edicts and forms for the return, we spoke of the edict that we can now return. And we're speaking of those who can. And we're going to speak of those who can't, but can't. Okay? Are you understanding and reading there? Those who cannot. Is it on the screen? Those who cannot, can. How can those who cannot, can? Read verse 4 again. And King Cyrus said to him, And whoever is left in any place where he dwells, Stop right there. And whoever is left in any place, those who stay in an established place and are not going to return to Jerusalem because of their age, because of their health, or for whatever. This is where King Cyrus is referring to. I'm going to read it again. And whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him with what? With silver and gold, with goods and livestock, besides the freewill offerings for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. So in other words... King Cyrus knew that of all the people that was in captivity for so many years, many can return. Others would want to return, but not going to be able to do it. Why? Because of their age, because of sickness, because of individual situations. But they could return. How? When they helped. When they, when they helped with offerings, volunteer free will offerings for the construction of the house of the Lord. And we speak of this and enters into a topic of finances because it is a topic. The finances has always been a foundation of all that God has done. God is powerful to do things as he wants, but analyze. He awoken the spirit of a king of King Cyrus, who is not Jewish, to give money. Listen, so that the people of Israel or Judah can go and return and reconstruct the house of the Lord. And he wasn't Jewish, but God touches the heart of someone to be able to give. So there's some that perhaps can't come. And I don't want you to feel bad, those that are home. Those that have said to me, Pastor, I have a condition. 
and I I have a condition. This is my condition. I don't want to expose myself. I have a situation that's physical as such. And I say, take it easy. Continue watching the service through the internet. You want to come, but you can't. But continue blessing, continue praying, continue interceding, continue supporting as you've been doing. But let us continue that the church is lifted and we continue with the programs of worship, of evangelization, and all that we had for the growth of the souls. Are you with me? Are you understanding? I said to my wife, this topic is very complicated because they're going to have to read a lot. You're going to have to get into the Bible to be able to understand the context in which I'm speaking. That's why I took time to give an introduction to this story. So then... Those who cannot, can. How can they do it? With prayer. With support. Financial support. With their offerings. With motivating others to go. With helping us with the Bible cell groups in their homes. In their places, I'm sorry. But we can. The second. We're going to speak of the evaluation and the repair of damages. Because returning to Jerusalem, now they understood that if they were returning as a nation... They were going to see a desolate city, a city that was ravished. And I want you to apply this in all the parts of your life. We as a ministry, this situation as such of this pandemic and the quarantine, in a way, misplaced many things of the congregation. And the part of evangelization, the part of spiritual growth, yes, it hit us. But also I know that this helped all uh, it hit all society where it hurt them in their finances it hurt them in their projects in their businesses many businesses went out of business this many brothers and sisters going through a difficulty projects that they no longer have so this point of evaluation and repair of damages we have to see it in everything i could apply it to any of those areas so you can understand after Zerubbabel, and you might say Zerubbabel, but you're going to read, and you're going to find out who's Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel and Ezra were two people that returned from captivity as such, and they came to Jerusalem, and they found the city destroyed. And when they went to the sector with a temple, there was no temple, because it was burnt. And you say, how do they burn a rocks? But when they construct those temples... It's they, they they put trees, wood around, a lot of fire, and they destroy it. those big rocks that you see. How how can you destroy that? But those are some cement blocks or rocks. So when they arrive, Zerubbabel arrives, and I think he was born in Babylonia. Um, one that was born in Babylonia, but he was Jewish as such. And Ezra comes, and they come after the edict of King Cyrus. Fifty million of them come. And they came with a purpose, with the purpose of reconstructing the place of worship. Not even the city, the place of worship. This is tremendous, because... 50,000 people wanted to return, but to return and lift up the place of worship, the place of sacrifices, the place of congregation. This was important for them in their spiritual identity. And how good I get with this. And I say, wow, how good that one. And I hope that all 
that we have this desire, this fervent desire to lift up the ruins of the place of worship in the heart because in the heart of one is the altar. It's where we worship God. It's where we look for the spirituality. And I ask myself, how many hearts with this pandemic and with this crisis or whatever problem, they destroy those places of worship and then they diminish spiritually or their spirituality diminishes. Why? Because their place of worship was broken. Are you with me? Are you understanding? So the heart, our heart, represents this altar that they came to seek. And when they find the temple destroyed, those 50,000 came with a purpose to lift up that place again. The majority of the churches in here, but those that arrived, those that can't arrive, that should be our thought to come to lift up the place of worship. I'm a person that is very observant, but I don't want to lose myself from the presence of the Lord. But while I'm there in my place, I observe the behavior of a church before a spiritual moment, because this is a moment of the spirit to come here. This is something great. You can't give yourself the the pleasure of coming here for religion. You could connect it from your house by religion. Because then you can say, okay, I fulfilled. No, don't do that. That's not good. Start to cry out to God that you do this because you want to reverence the name of God. Because you want to learn how to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That you say, Lord, put in me a spirit of worship. I want to know you. I want to love you. I want to have a fire in my heart. In spite of the circumstances, I need need this. They came to repair, in the second point, in the evaluation and repair of damages, they came to a physical repair, to a physical repair, to a place of worship. And this made me think in a lot of things. I'm going to read here in Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11. And 13, part B, 17, and 18, part B. And it says there, So I came. This is Nehemiah. So Rubabel had already arrived, Ezra had arrived, to fix the temple. Listen well. They have already arrived, Zerubbabel and Ezra. And then years later, Nehemiah arrives. And Nehemiah comes to see how the city, because the temple they had already lifted. And Nehemiah comes, so it says, So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Verse 13b says, Viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were how? Broken down, and its gates which were burned with fire. Verse 17, Then I said to them, You see the distress that we are in? How Jerusalem lies how? Waste, and its gates are burned with fire? Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer be a reproach. And verse 18, part B says, so they said, what did they say? Let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. So Zerubbabel and Ezra had come only to rebuild the sanctuary, the place of worship. And then Nehemiah comes to see the city that was desolate, that the walls were broken down, that the gates were burnt up. And when this comes... He comes with a purpose to evaluate. And the first thing that I see is observe. There in verse 13b, it says, And he viewed, he viewed. In this moment, 
where he's retaking not only this place, but he starts to retake the some the business. Some people are calling. Others are going to be calling the businesses. Say amen. Others are going to be calling from their businesses. Amen. They're going to be calling from new places. Is that I? The society is going to lift up again. I believe in my heart that this. We have to have this behavior as citizens. I'm not only speaking about the part of the church, but I'm also part of the citizenship. I have to look and view. Nehemiah came and he viewed, or he observed. He viewed what was damaged. He viewed what was burnt. He viewed what was destroyed. So you need to view in your house, in this pandemic, what has been burnt. You need to observe in your life, with this quarantine, and what has gone wrong. What did you lose? Because... Many positive things, but there are some things that many things, many people say, I lost this, I lost that. So it's necessary that you observe it because if you don't observe it, you're not going to get to get anywhere. We need to know what is the damage. And I'm speaking about this in any part of life. Observe the damage. If you're in a crisis at home, a crisis that's matrimonial, then you need to observe what is the problem. You can't act crazy. Or that you're not understood, like nothing happened. And that, oh no, the problems just come. No, in a matrimony, so that a matrimony can advance as a couple. And I think you know it. And if not, then learn it. You have to make it be observant. What is burning in the house? You have to look and analyze, wow, this house is not functioning. There's something here that's not functioning in my home. And, And you have to have that in account. And the family that you have, you have to let them know because you have to evaluate what is not working. Are you receiving something? Are you understanding? I'm speaking of a story of a people, but it's something that's applied to our life for the crisis that we're in. But we got to apply it to every area of my life. What is wrong? What is bad? Observe or view. That's part of that. And he says that he came and he viewed the walls that were broken down and burnt. We have to look at the part of the ministry. What part of the ministry has been burnt, has come down, and the limitations of space. We can't have children in the classrooms. And I've come evaluating all this as pastor. Let me tell you, we have a great task here in the church. And maybe you don't notice that. Even to accommodate the chairs. I was here till 9 o'clock. And we did this throughout the whole week. And we put place uh, uh, names as families for those that made the reservations. But we observed or viewed the situation. And what do I do? I'm looking at the loss. I'm looking at what is missing. And, and as one says make an inventory of the things so then in your business part observe and see what's wrong in your job and observe and you can see I have a loss that I have a disorder but observe I need to observe or view it and then what follows is that you have to rise up and verse 18b if you could put it once again so they said let us rise up Underline that. Nehemiah said, let us rise up. So write that. Rise up spiritually. You need to rise up spiritually. How many with this crisis diminished spiritually? Many with this crisis of coronavirus and the pandemic and all of this have taken advantage 
and their heart got so scared, like the majority, that we get with God in a way like never before. But there's others that perhaps they fell spiritually. That this absence of within two or three months has affected them in the part where they're so comfort that they don't want to rise up. How dangerous is that? Because we're doing a great job with young people and families. And the question is, how many are going to return to rise up? Rise up spiritually, I mean, and rise up emotionally. If you're a person that you found a loss in your life, that there's something that doesn't function in your life, that a relationship ended. So then I say, observe it, view it, so you can see what happened and hit you. But now rise up in the name of the Lord and continue. Amen? And he also said there in verse 18, and build. So not only to observe the problems, what has been damaged, but he made the resolution to rise up, but also to build, because it's time to build. Again, it's time to re-edify. It's a challenge, everything of the church, to lift it up, to lift up another service at 12. It's one of the things that we have to do a service after the day, uh, uh, Father's Day, in the parking lot. It's going to be something else. So those that don't want to be in the temple, I want you to have a service in the parking lot. And I have the FM transmitter and everything. So from the comfort of your home, if you don't want to be exposed to anything, but we're looking to rebuild. Are you understanding? I don't know if you're understanding or not. Before these losses and these difficult situations, we can't stay like, oh, we lost. No. Let us evaluate, let us rise up, and let us build again. I don't know if you're going to have to evaluate in your house or in your business or in your jobs, but I do tell you one thing. Rise up. Don't stay on the floor. Rise up and strive. It's very important to edify, and that's why it's important to strive. It's going to cost. It's going to cost. To come together again here cost, and it's cost work. And I want to tell you details. We have tried. We have done so much so that you could be here. Just for this part, we have done so much. Some don't have the magnitude or maybe not giving the value, but we give this such a great value. And you need to strive and give value of the projects that God put in your heart for the things that you came walking to and what you have been working in and that diminished because of the pandemic. I don't know who this is for, but today I see business people that I start to work or talk with them. They're doing something maybe different than what they did before. Is it not like that? So not mention name. They had a business and they had a business and even a brother was curious, was whistling to me in a truck and he was uh, with his horn. And because he has a, a company of buses, but I like something a lot. This man calls me and says, Pastor, imagine I found a job to work in this place. And I filled an application. And they gave me a job. And I got into YouTube. How to manage that. How to run that machine. <laughs> and he did it like that. He learned by YouTube. And the following day he was working in something that he had no... With a monstrous machine. And he came through here. And I said, how good. That's a warrior spirit. That's a spirit that says, I'm not going to stay behind. This is not... And forgive the word that this is not going to stop me on the floor. It's not going to let me be diminished. No, I rise up. 
However, but I rise up, I analyze this law says, yes, but I'm going to retake something and I'm going to reconstruct, but I am going to strive. What if we give an applause to all those who are striving? Strive. Let us rise up again in the ministerial part, in the spiritual part, in the laboral part, in your studies, in your goals of studies. Rise up because there's time for everything. Amen? And there's a part to go finishing in the spiritual repair. I want us to go to Nehemiah chapter 1. Because I've spoken about the temple of the city that they had to come and reconstruct the temple, the worship, and then lift up the walls and all of this. Something that's physical. But in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 10, and the first part of verse 11 says, Now, these are your servants and your people. Nehemiah is speaking with God in a prayer. And he says, Now, these are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Oh, Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire what? To fear your name. And when you read the context of Nehemiah there in chapter one, you're going to see that Nehemiah is citing the book of Deuteronomy. He is saying, God, in your word says that whoever leaves you, you leave them. But Lord, you extend mercy and you say that who repents, you return. So I am making this fast. I'm lifting up this prayer and this cry. And I do it for the people that have sinned. All of us have sinned, Lord. But I remember that your promise says that you would make us return when we repent. So spiritual repair is transcendental. Many people, they just want the financial progress. And they don't want to have a spiritual growth. It doesn't work. It's not good. God, I believe that God didn't call the people that are here. That if God wants is that you lift up a heart of a worshiper, that you lift a spiritual structure that's firm, that when the others fall, your spiritual part does not diminish. Your spiritual part is intact. And many don't understand that equation. Many think that, oh, if they reconstruct their business with that, they're going to be fine. No. And I applaud that you reconstructed your business. Lift up your business. Lift up your university. Lift up your projects. Lift up your ministry, whatever it may be. Hallelujah for that. But if there's not a spiritual restoration, in vain you're working in what you're doing. If you start to concentrate on that, they have to look for money and not to take advantage of a spiritual life, then you're as blind as before. You're the same blind person as before. This is about spiritual growth, church. The Lord called you to salvation. He called to you to be to forgive your sins, but that you consecrate, and as it says here, so that we could fear his name. And how do I fear that name? If not with a lifestyle, blessed be the Lord. This is about coming to this place and to worship for a little bit and lift hands and to sing a song in the unity of spirit. That's part of but that's not reverence as such to the Lord. No, reverence to the Lord is with your lifestyle. Reverence, we reverence the Lord with a good behavior, with a lifestyle that pleases God. I have to repair the spiritual part in my life. Nehemiah asked for forgiveness, yes, and he lifted a fast for the people, yes, for the people of all. But what he was looking for is looking for the spiritual damage. If something, he went into the spirit and he says, Lord, these people have sinned. And you know why these people were in captivity for 70 years? 
70 years in captivity and those of the north even more 135 years so you can understand the 10 tribes of the north were in captivity for 135 forgive me the north tribes were conquered and 135 years later the tribes of the south were conquered forgive me but those 70 years of the south and of the north was a result of lives that did not please God they were given the promise of the land of Canaan they came to a promised land and what happened there after the reign of Solomon or during the reign of Solomon Solomon made a mistake he was a man that was super spiritual you know him in the Bible a person that was very intelligent but he committed an error to be and he started to mix with women that he shouldn't mix with and his heart was taken after the women and the gods of those women so Solomon finished worshipping gods that were not Jehovah God the man had all money all fame and all wise but how did he end up super foolish are you with me and that caused him not only that his son was an ingrate as such that he had to retake the leadership because his father dies but he takes the northern part and every one of those kings as I mentioned in the beginning they did nothing good before the Lord just the south only a few from the north mixed with other women and they mixed with women that with religions that they didn't need to mix with. They did everything that God told them not to do. But nonetheless, they wanted to go to a place and have a city. And they wanted the benefits without the price of holiness. We, as children, as a church, we have the same problems as them. We want the blessings, but we don't want the commitment. We want that God prosper us, but we don't want our heart to surrender to God. We want God to give us, but we don't want to give to God. We want God to progress us and progress us in everything, but we don't want to have a life that exalts his name. And I say, it's not like that. So here, take whoever has to take their portion. Amen. And I want to conclude. In Hebrews 10.25, the word of God says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. There's a time for us not to congregate, and we already passed that. Did you notice that? There's a time to congregate. I'm marveled at the Bible study groups, and glory to God for the Bible cell groups. Our cell group has grown a lot. And I have to speak what's just, but I will has grown because in this season we dedicated to call people and fish people for the cell. And in other cell groups, I've seen that in the leadership of calling people and looking for people. And one way or not, even though we couldn't come together, we went to look. There was a group of people of mm-hmm. prayer three times a week, even a hundred people there connected praying mm-hmm. all the week. A lot of things were lifted up. But this opportunity to come together, while we have it, we have to take advantage of it. While we have it, we need to take advantage of it. Because when they took it away, it hurt us. Did you notice that it hurt? But if we have it again, then let us take advantage of it. 
and if you're the ones that have had for a custom not to congregate, then I challenge you that you change that. And you say to the Lord, Lord, put in me a spirit of worship, making me a new work. Those that came congregating, that they were growing spiritually, because this helps me a lot as a pastor, that I saw them start to grow, children in the faith. But with this pandemic, the enemy came and their spiritual life fell. To those that maybe are listening to me, if you were of the ones that were coming, growing spiritually, and you stop, I say to you, it's time to return. It's time to retake your spiritual life, and it's time to rebuild. And it's time to evaluate the spiritual burnings, everything, the losses. But it's also time to strive. It's time to rise up, and it's time to look for holiness again. Here, here, here in this place. Because here there's unity. Don't you think? We come to be in one spirit because here there's brokenness. I saw when I saw it in some when we were praying. When uh, we bless our generations and the generations of our generations and, and a bunch of men and women crying. At least those that uh, feel pain for our children. Sometimes it happens. Here's a place of brokenness. Here's a place of repentance, a place of rejoicing. Here there's new births. Here, the spiritual impartation and growth. Here's an opportunity to develop your ministry, an opportunity of service. This place represents a lot. And the Lord is allowing that glory. Once again, I invite you that you give this a great value and passion because to congregate is a privilege. Let me say something. The people of Israel, and even to this day, the Jews are desperate from all over the world trying to return to their land. And 3,000 years more have passed, or 2,000 years more. And they're looking to return to their land. We, as such, we don't idolatrize a city nor a wall, but we understand that Christ made us members of his building, him of his body, sorry, and him being the head and if places where we could grow and this is a place this is one of the places take advantage of it take advantage while you can still do this in this country history allows us that we can continue worshiping because there's been times where others that privilege was taken let us please stand and give thanks to the Lord I want to bless your life in this moment and I want to pray for you and if you can you can place a hand on your chest and lift one to the heavens and allow me to pray for you Lord in this morning we understand that the time of return has opened for us as a people to be able to come here and to start congregating but also for my brothers and sisters in this civilization that's present to retake their places of jobs, to start going out more, to return and walk on this land, to be able to negotiate once again, to be able to seek the bread of every day. And what do I ask you, Lord? That each one of us can be the ones that we evaluate the losses to be able to know what we're going to work on and what we need to strengthen ourselves in. Because this people, this your people 
be a church that is daring in you, Lord, Mm -hmm. that they go forth and advance. And I ask you in the name of Jesus that they take strength, that they strive in advance. But Lord, we need your divine protection. We need your guidance. And I ask you that you guard them and keep them in their physical bodies, that you deliver them of any coronavirus. They and their houses, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, because we have to confront life once again, Lord. We have entered into a type of normalcy, Lord, once again to take things. And I ask for protection that no plague touch their walls, that you guard them in their entrance and exits, guard their physical bodies of every sickness, every every damage or every contamination, that no food be bad for them, Lord. And I ask this in the name of Jesus, and I ask that none of them get contagious, Lord, that there's an immunity from heaven for each and every one, and I lift my hands in the sign of blessing upon them above all those that are there in their homes, in their places, and I ask for all a blessing that is mental, a blessing that is emotional, so that we could grow in the spirit, Lord, so that our spiritual life can be lift up, so you could guard us from every attack of the enemy, God. Lift up those that are emotionally are falling, those that are diminished, those that are sad, those that feel in loss. Lift them up in the name of Jesus. Allow them, Lord, new things, God. Thank you, Lord. And I bless them. I bless the liberal, the labor part of my brothers that are here and those that are in their homes. And I bless their mind so that they can negotiate, so that they can be wise, so that they can do things correctly. And I ask, Lord, for the business people that you lift them up once again in the name of Jesus so that they can retake what they started as a dream. And that now perhaps they cry for that loss, but I bless their heart. We bless those businessmen. We bless those employees that were in companies, Lord, that diminished so that you could open up the opportunity in the name of Jesus. We bless this church. We bless the students. We bless the youth that have to prepare themselves to enter into a university, to go to a school in a determined time, that you guard them all in their entrance and exit and deliver them of all evil. Thank you, God. And once again, thank you for allowing us today to come to this place. In which we present to you, Lord. The one that we declare that is your place of presence. Your place of ministering. Your place of growth. Your place of peace your place of confrontation, your place of edification. We commend this physical structure. We commend this total spiritual part that moves here in all the programs that have done in everything. Guard us in the name of Jesus. And the church of the Lord says, Amen. Give that glory to God. Amen. Clap those hands. Blessed be the Lord. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We invite you to look for us in the social networks such as Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Search under the name Dios de Pactos Florida. We hope this message has edified you. And please share with others. Have a wonderful day.